Good morning, everybody. Um, Just another September 2nd podcast on all things blockchain, Japan, and deep tech. With us this morning, we got Colin Thompson, Julian Berteau, Anthony Beck. And really want to start out with kind of what's happening in the news. I thought it was really striking this week that, you know, Vitalik came out and commented on Wi-Fi and, and, and DeFi. And the reality of kind of what he said was like, look, this is the next newest shiny thing. People are making, you know, a ton of money, but people are just going to lose their lose their shorts on this. Uh, basically, what I interpreted it as a, uh, a Ponzi scheme uh, where you, you ultimately have to feed the yield farming engine and that, those yields go to somebody else to get more riches and you continually have to bring money in. So I just want to have a quick chat on uh, on this. You know, I, I, I love Vitalik and I remember bringing him to Asia or bringing him to-, to Yeah, before anybody community. even knew who he was. <laughs> yeah, you know, back in 2000, like, well, we're going to date ourselves, 2014. Um, yeah. But it was super cool. So I have a, a great deal of respect for him and kind of his views. Um, wh- what are you guys thinking about this Wi-Fi stuff? I know we tapped on it last week. To me, it's just another ICO boom. Some guys are going to you know, make Lambo money. Yeah, most of us, most of the other people are going to lose their shorts on it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, let me jump, jump, in, jump, jump in before you, Anthony, real quick. I, I mean, I love the kind of, you know, innovation. I just go, is it, but I just ask myself, well, is it misguided? And I go, can there be, I'm still struggling with this. Um, are these n- new things that we're going to be adopting or is it really just, you know, um, exercises in, uh, you know, personal entertainment in terms of like, you know, they have the skills to do it. So therefore, it's an easy way to make money, and you know that's all they care about, which would be a sad thing. But uh, I find that all these types of these these DeFi applications, because the the governance is so bad, and then the the automation is so um, entrenched into these these protocols, these things can get wildly out of control really fast. <laughs> but you bring up a good point, right? Though, like, and, and I I've struggled this with for years. You know, what is a blockchain really good for? And it, it seems over and over, it's just a, a, a mechanism and a tool for those that didn't go to Wall Street, but still have technical ability to be able to generate money in new and unique ways. How is this any different than what's happening on Wall Street with with the quants and quant traders and algo traders that are are just making, have, have, have used financial engineering to make money? I mean, is this what the blockchain is good for? Because it seems to happen every couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's it's like we were discussing last week. This is Wall Street with makeup on, as I said then, and it's it doesn't. It's like just making money out of nothing. And for a lot of people, a lot of people will lose money. Like I've been seeing posts on Twitter of these guys saying, "Hey, I got like whatever fifty grand or whatever. It's all my money, and I should I put it all into yield farming?" And I'm just no. like, "Oh my god!" Wow. No, don't do that. Like, this is going to hurt people at the end of the day. So, I mean, I think we're just taking the, I mean, the ecosystem is just going down the same road again. Um, but it, is it, that, that bad though, or, Anthony, right? Like, you know, it, it is providing some economic prosperity to some people, 
And I, I do believe it is just printing money out of thin air. But how is that different than structurally how the financial system works today? It's not different. I would argue that, I mean, yes, okay, it's creating some type of wealth, but for how many people is it actually doing that? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know? And I would would also say, like, you know, the financial industry is still also still very broad, right? So, you know, you still got people that are doing, like, working capital loans and, like, you know, SME banking and, you know, uh, uh, trade finance. Those things are all vital to the economy, right? It's the guys that are, like, you know, doing, like, credit default swaps and derivatives that are just creating, um, you know, flashy products for, you know, uh, a product innovation for financial services companies to sell. You know, so like that, there's aspects of it, but like what's missing from, you know, some of the DeFi stuff is, is how is it making an impact and, you know, and really transforming, you know, uh, wealth of uh, people's economies, communities. That's not happening. Right. Yeah. I read, I read somewhere that there was, there's now just under $2 billion of cash of crypto assets locked up in DeFi now. Yeah, and you see, it was um, it was just in the news as well too, where it was like that one protocol has has more had more trading volume yesterday than than, than had fifty percent more trading volume than Coinbase. Yeah, I think it was Uniswap. Yeah, right. So I'm going whoa. That's a lot of that's a lot of value or perceived value, you know, in the cyclones uh, of the of the crypto world. That if it doesn't work out for some people, it's going to be quite bad, you know. And so that's why I, I, I question, you know, it can be made, but there isn't enough thought that goes into governance, and you know, uh, as well as like the adaptive learning models that should be built into these types of protocols, a, a, a alternative dispute resolution. These things can be coded improperly, and things can go bad. How do you repair that? How do you make amends for that, right? Like there, we haven't advanced enough in that area for blockchain, you know, and I think that uh, that is that was where I see it being very problematic. And we get to the point where, you know, you know, quote unquote, you know, Vitalik is saying seriously, the sheer volume of coins that needs to be printed nonstop to pay liquidity providers in these 50, 100 percent a year yield farming regimes makes major national central banks look like they're all run by Ron Paul. I mean that. I mean, you guys don't know Ron Paul. Ron Paul he's a he's a he's a very strict libertarian, right? But this is the true essence of a Ponzi, right? You you have to feed the engine to give the results to the next guy. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul even more returns. Mm. At what point does it stop and it falls off the cliff, right? Um, well, the, 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 sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, there's no way this doesn't end badly. And what that what's that what that is going to do is impact the wider blockchain and crypto ecosystem and that's going to set back everything again because there'll be you know like more lack of trust and people go oh it's you're just like a you know a ponzi scheme or blockchain and crypto is just for illegal activities you know it's gonna it doesn't end well well you know i think that's a perfect segue anthony into what's happening in japan Right. So, you know, Japan, ever since the Mount Gox scandal, has been very, very uh, closed. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's just been a difficult environment to work in, although, you know, some innovation does come through. But, you know, it, 
the uh, Commissioner Riozo Jimenez-san uh, came out and, 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 and argued that the deregulation of digital assets may not help technical innovation and that the country should focus on central bank digital currencies and not crypto like Bitcoin. And so I think yeah. they're, they're, they're starting to see some evolution of thinking. But it, it, like you said, Anthony, this, this, this rise of, of some of these things are going through, you know, 5,000% gains in, in a couple of days. It just makes us look like, you know, we're just shilling the next thing. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen in Japan and will this negatively impact uh, some of the softening that's happening there. You know, now, Colin, you work really closely with uh, – one of the largest blockchain companies in the world, you know, ultimately based out of Japan. You know, what are your thoughts on on kind of where Japan is and and how we're starting to view blockchain innovation and in, uh, crypto in the space in, in Japan? Yeah, well, I think in, in, in generally, like it, it seems to be like, ironically enough, there's more innovation in the regulatory and like the, in the governments in Japan around cryptocurrency, what they're doing with like licensing exchanges and at least experimenting or at least um, opening up the thought experiment to you know um, central bank digital currencies, that um, you know actually places it in a ahead of many nations or in the, around the world. I think the, the 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 problem though is that you know that hasn't even though the markets are open the regulatory the regulatory bodies are open to it there isn't very much innovation within the actual technology community there that can you know uh, you know move that forward. Um, but is, I do is think that, that cultural, you know, or is it 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 is just a natural yeah. inclination that you know blockchain and and, and crypto is kind of bad. I, I don't know. I think I don't like. I mean, I haven't been to, like deep into Japan for a while, but at least like you know, um, from my experience or like the connections there is that like you know, regulatory bodies there are open-minded to it because they, the Japanese have their own problems, and they're looking at this as a way of kind of um, differentiating themselves in the global markets in the in the in the in the, in the kind of um, global community. Sorry. Um, but it's like I think the question we should be asking essentially is that even if the regulatory bodies are open there and they're pushing through, um, you know, regulation for uh, exchanges or central banks, are there local homegrown organizations and startups that are being fostered, cultured, and supported to capitalize and to innovate within that environment? And that's what's not happening, which is unfortunate. I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say it's not happening, but it could be more. So it's not happening at scale in which you can ultimately see the the ideation through execution and development of of you know really helping entrepreneurs to build things that are meaningful and 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 have a role outside Japan. Yeah, but at least but what like at least though, like in terms of the government, they're like they're going, hey, let's get a licensing regime together for the exchanges. Yes, because of Mount Gox. But because that happened, you know, that actually put them at the forefront of, of cryptocurrencies yeah. and, and blockchain technology, right? So it's like by serendipitously that that happened. But, you know, if like, like, like COVID, right, you know, if we don't have some kind of disaster that happens, there seems to be no progress, right? So in a way, maybe we have to hope for one of these DeFi things to blow up, like, you know, for there to be more progress, right? <laughs> 
you won't need to hope for that. That'll definitely happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what I find interesting too is, well, I, I think there's, there's, there, there's two pieces, right? So, you know, when, when, you know, the prime minister resigning for health reasons, right. And how much influence did he have over, you know, keeping things kind of a tight lid on things versus with his departure, will that allow uh, for more innovation and more broadly thinking about what could be done in the space? Uh, real quickly, you know, any thoughts on that? I know much that much about that. Okay. To be with you. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 so, you know, I think there's, there, there's an opportunity here, right? So anytime you have a, a, a senior leader depart from a, a particularly the prime minister, um, I do mm. know that there are members of the cabinet that are, are more, far more favorable and forward thinking in terms of, of innovation and innovation as an economic development tool, uh, particularly in Asia and North Asia. Um, uh, so I think there is, I, you know, if I were to, you know, bet a few dollars on something that, you know, I bet we start to see a, 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 a faster evolution towards a more friendlier environment in, uh, in blockchain and crypto in, uh, in Japan. One thing where I, I, where I am seeing a lot of interest and, and, you know, we've talked about this for years in, in, in track and trace and provenance of, of goods. Uh, particularly mm -hmm. as we look at counterfeit goods coming from uh, China. Uh, well, it's not a, a problem solely in China. It's a problem all over the world. But ultimately with China, with Taobao, part of Alibaba, uh, certainly one Amazon. Um, and yeah. luxury goods, right? So I know we've talked about tracking and tracing and provenance of whiskey, right? Which is great. I love whiskey. Um, my favorite whiskeys in the world are Yamazaki 18 from Japan, from Centauri. Um, awesome. Oh, wow. You like, I, yeah. oh, I didn't know you were into it. Like, man, oh. I drink more whiskey than you do when I see you. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it, you know, it's funny. A, a, a few years back, the, uh, that bottle, you know, was about $300. You know, it's a $900 bottle in the U.S. now. And oh, wow. it, it, it's good. Um but I, I, I want to explore a little bit on, on, on tracking and tracing, right? And, and the use of blockchain in ensuring the provenance of a good from its uh, inception to purchase. Um, and I know, Colin, you've worked a bit on, uh, on the whiskey side with um, uh, a group out of Hong Kong. And I know Japan mm -hmm. is starting to look at, from a sake perspective, uh, you know, widely used, widely uh, drank, 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 purple drank. Maybe I've already hit the whiskey this morning. Um, sake around the world. Um, anyway, I, I think it's interesting that, that that they're starting to actually deploy some of this tracking and tracing for these luxury goods. Uh, and part of Japan, you know, sake part of the national drink, and I see it coming into whiskey. Mm. Um, what are you seeing? I mean, I think I, I, and then personally, I just like those types of use cases for blockchain that seem to be kind of boring, but have like massive, massive, um, uh, you know, uh, reach in terms of, um, you know, how they can actually change industry, especially with track and trace. These things like sake, especially sake or, or, or whiskey, because they're actually ingested, you know, you, you want to make sure that, you um, the origins, the ingredients, and the distribution is all, for lack of a better word, clean. 
yeah. I think, you know, for Japan, the, the, the Japanese brand, you know, to be able to, you know, uh, use a ledger, uh, create a really great user experience, um, you know, with QR codes. So when you purchase this thing, you know where it's come from, its history, its origin, where, where, where it came from, how it was made, what ingredients are in there, and that, that it's actually what it says it is, you know, works very well with the Made in Japan brand. Right. You know, so I think that those 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 are the types of applications that I think um, um, are actually the most exciting. But for some reason, don't you know, young entrepreneurs are not really you know excited about those those types of those types of solutions. On top of that, though, if you actually have a ver- a verifiable you know way of accounting for these types of goods and luxury goods, what I think it might do you know, if that foundation is laid, is it might, you know, these DeFi type characters that are in the, the community, they might start creating like, you know, really interesting types of, you know, funds or, um, you know, securitization um, products based on these types of luxury goods because they have a way of quantifying its origin and proving um, its um, veracity, right? So I think those are the types of things that people should focus on as opposed to the cryptocurrencies is like these kind of real world industrial applications that actually have real meaning, you know, in a, in a consumer society. Anybody else want to comment? Yeah, I'll jump in. I think that that's what's been sticking in the back of my mind for most of this conversation. And I've seen sort of the news pieces, you know, having come back into the blockchain sphere uh, more recently that we haven't, there's so much focus on the money, so much focus on whether that's greed or just attraction to, to making money going into the DeFi space. But we haven't yet solved the simple use cases for blockchain. And I say simple, it's still really complex and not an easy thing to do. But those boring things, as you say, Colin, that have such a huge impact. If we can direct some of this energy that's going into all these DeFi projects, and other projects that are more money driven to these real world use cases. Um, I just think that the impact for the ecosystem as a whole and not just society would just be so much better for it. I mean, I think we should like, that's a, this is a good case for like uh, people like Bernard Arnault. I think like, you know, he'd probably be one of the rich, he'd probably be like, I don't know, maybe he'd be in the top five richest people in the world. still if he could get rid of all the fakes of his, of his goods. <laughs> Yeah, but why is it? Why why aren't they doing it? I mean, it it seems obvious, and you know, the, you know. Well, I think you know if you're if you're if you're like if you're LVMH, yeah, you're like you you're you're the purveyor of luxury goods around the world. Your your core expertise is branding, marketing, PR, retail, right? Like blockchain is like really far removed right, from from that core competency, right? And I think that. Uh, uh, yeah, that that might be the challenge, right? But I think um, the opportunity for guys like that, because I mean, not only is that, like a company like LVMH one of the largest, you know, distributor of spirits, but like their handbags, you know, are very very valuable and have a huge, huge, uh, 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 you know, secondary market value, right? Um, but like, you know, just a little bit of a segue, right? I do believe that GOAT, I mean, the, the, the kind of premium sneaker marketplace, they do use a little bit, they do use some blockchain yeah. in their, their application. 
but they don't really advertise it, right? But it's one of the ways that they kind of um, make sure of the authenticity of, of the sneakers. And I think over time, as they scale, the amount of sneakers that are going to pass through the real the resale market on their platform, they'll be able to track and trace who's been trading these sneakers with each other, yeah? And I think something like that would be, you know, would be really exciting and really interesting for, you know, Diageo, you know, with their with what they're doing with spirits, anybody that's doing mezcal or like tequila, whiskey, champagne, any of that stuff would be huge. Anybody, anybody doing a project in that area could, could potentially be, you know, like the next Google. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, I think I, I think a lot of these luxury brands are are doing it uh, on, on the surface in terms of with with a focus towards the consumers. I think the problem. Mm. Right. And, and again, I'm always kind of the, the contrarian or kind of see through the bullshit with some of these companies. If you do track and trace, you're going to find out that they're using child labor in a sweatshop in, in, in <laughs> India or Pakistan. Yeah. Do they really want to, you to know that, that there's a, you know, that they're operating in the slums and these sweat factories and, and that's yeah, I mean, where your $5,000 handbag comes from as somebody that, that earns $5 a day. You bring up a great point, but that's not even just in like the manufacturing, you know, industry. Like you look, it's I mean, a, I find one of the more fast, more fascinating things going on is the battle with, um, uh, Ep not Epic, yeah, Epic Games and Apple. Yep. And then what's happening with these marketplaces like Amazon, and Alibaba. So like a marketplace like Amazon, and Alibaba, like these guys are good, good opportunities for blockchain use cases as well too they're saying we're a platform and we're not responsible for what's being sold through our platform this is ridiculous i wash my but hands the, of child labor yeah. and slave labor or whatever yeah. right and then but on the flip side like people are complaining about apple who puts in a lot of time and effort to make sure that those apps comply with certain standards Yep. So that the end user experience is good. And then people are complaining about the work that Apple puts into them to make sure that those apps don't install malware or like, you know, blow up your phone or whatever. Right. And I just go, hmm, that's interesting. I go, I think these marketplaces could adopt these types of, you know, uh, whether it's whether it's blockchain or not, but like these types of verifications and, you know, tracking and you know placing these things in an, in an immutable way so people can see you know what they're getting and how like you know and being transparent what they're getting and like where it's coming from and you know that has been verified and this person is actually authentic i think is a big deal social media as well too so there's a whole bunch of use cases that like you know are really great for blockchain but we're just not we're just seeing only the, the token flippers yeah and the DeFi I, would, I would also add um uh, pharmaceuticals and healthcare yeah that's also that's their lives on the line with that like wh where did the medicine come from is it fake the real like that's a huge that's a huge walk, walk down the streets of bangkok and you know every prescription drug yeah had, particularly related to men's health yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> <is> available <laughs> right true, true. you know um, i have been but to that point though anthony is i have been seeing some really interesting blockchain companies um around cap tables and cap table management so i think that's actually quite interesting because if you have cap table management on a blockchain then you actually have the ability to be able to transfer those shares private securities in a very you know in a very confident way right so, so i think there's some really interesting use cases that are out there but like they're just not not enough 
so the, the 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 cap table side that's interesting so that's you know that's actually part of our next session so let's hold off on talking okay. about that um <laughs> okay. one step ahead of us but let's bring it back yeah. full circle right in in terms of these luxury goods and and where i think we're the the, the gap is right so i think there's there's just tons of shitty things going on in terms of supply chain and manufacturing and, and the exploitation yeah. of the poor. And, and some yeah. companies are, are working on the blockchain side to give a, a, a more fair and equal access to the actual producer of the raw goods that go into the supply chain that ultimately the output is, is sake or a whiskey. It really comes back to the farmer or the manufacturer, right? And I think there's... The, where I see the golden opportunity is to being able to connect the entire supply chain from origination or from, you know, the, the soil in the ground uh, all the mm. way through point of purchase and being able to track and trace in that where each participant. That, that, would, that would blow up in Whole Foods for sure. <laughs> well, uh, seriously, but, but ultimately it is important, right? And, yeah. and I care about. You know, if I'm if I'm drinking a sake that that was the farmer that that uh, generated the barley and the wheat or whatever sake is made of, I'm sorry. Um, mm, nice. You know, <laughs> did, did he have an equal opportunity to to produce and and generate a livable income by his work product, right? And is that in fact the 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 barley or the the product that goes into sake? Was that produced in the right conditions? Like all mm -hmm. of this with knowing this, having this knowledge base and authenticated and put it in the blockchain, it allows the entire value chain to have a little bit of an increase in their earnings, right? And it doesn't necessarily translate to a huge steep uh, increase in price on the front end, but ultimately consumers, particularly in the US and, and other major metro urban areas around the world will pay for quality and will pay for, you know, uh, uh, goods that were produced in, in, in a fair and equitable way. And that's what's missing is the, the, the gap between helping the farmer and, and helping the consumer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm going to jump in real quick here, but I let you guys talk. I just remember a few years back, you know, uh, I was in New York and I was uh, staying with my friends in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. But this person was so, you know, fastidious about finding, you know, certain farmed, like, you know, farmed fresh, you know, uh, uh, fish that we like, you know, we went through Brooklyn. It was like, go, it was like going for a drug deal. You went to like a back alley and like this girl came out and she was like, yo, I got the salmon for you. I caught this fresh. And she was like, oh, let me see that. Oh, that looks fresh. She gave her like 20 bucks for like the salmon steak and then she was off on her bike. And I was just like, did we just do like a like it almost like we just we just made some moves for a salmon steak. <laughs> but the reason why though it's like my friend is actually the head of food policy at Berkeley, like their research and develop their research, their uh, think tank at Berkeley about um uh uh, uh, uh uh food and regulation. So she's really, really into that kind of stuff, right? But it was just so strange. I saw this person that was so particular about where this salmon came from because she didn't want you know, it to be contaminated or, you know, for it to be using, you know, any kind of poor labor practices. And that kind of permeated her entire life. So I go, yeah, you're right. I think the consumer demand will be for that kind of transparency in their food and, and, and well, their it, food it, and pharmaceutical products. It, 
it's real, particularly with with the these farmed products, these farmed live products, right? If you look at the mm. incidents of of you know Chadwick Boseman just died, very famous actor, yeah. was very young, colon cancer, yeah. And there was mm. a study that's been recently published that you know the incidence of colon cancer in men that were born after ninety nine uh, nineteen ninety has shot up something like forty five percent in these new strains of cancer. Yeah, and and there's a lot of a lot of discussion that it's around the the ingestion of these well processed foods, uh, but processed yeah. live foods like so processed you know f- uh, farmed fish, Chicken. right? There's just yeah. there's, there's some really real you know human impacts to this sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I think those like you know sorry to I mean we haven't had bird virus from Julie but I know <laughs> I think, right? like these. These these are the next like these are the next Google's Facebooks like it's not going to be in this kind of it will be in the you know reshaping or, or realigning supply chains and you know um, and, and the the infrastructure you know the technological infrastructure that goes behind those things I think that's very a very viable future. Julian, what's the future? Since you haven't said much today, well, I'm going to hit you hard. <laughs> I have been quietly listening. I think that if people can steer clear of the immediate short-term incentive thinking of DeFi and whatever else comes next, whether it's ICOs or whatever the next iteration is, and focus on something that is obviously harder and the incentive isn't immediately obvious, and focus on these simpler but more impactful use cases, whether it's in government. I mean, I still think it's insane that I have to, even for a bank, always give them my date of birth, always give them my proof of address. (laughs) Just basic stuff that blockchain can solve. Um, I think that's just gonna be so big um, and so scalable once it's in place, um, I think that that's, that's the future. If people can focus on that rather than focusing on trying to get 2000X, um, that'll make a big difference. No, man, I'd rather make money than uh, help society. Yeah. Anyway, um, good stuff, guys. I think we're, we're up against time here. Uh, next week, we'll dive into the use of blockchain in cap tables, as Colin mentioned, and how there is some really, really strong innovation um, in the financial space relative to to startups, relative to funding, and some of the distributed assets uh, in the space. All right, guys, good stuff. We'll, uh, We'll talk next week. Cheers.